Well, welcome to the uh, another episode of Off the Record, a candid, casual conversation about life, culture, and church. And uh, today on episode two, we're continuing in our series from our series on mixtapes, love, sex, and, and marriage. And uh, today I'm joined by a couple of good friends and uh, great folks at our church, Beth and Wally Hollis. And uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. They are both certified sex therapists. And so I think really are going to help us today to have a, a really a candid conversation about what sexuality means and really in the context of what that means in our marriages and how do we protect ourselves at that point. And so I just encourage you today as we jump into this content, uh, parents or whoever, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more helpful but a little bit more explicit about some things. And so encourage you just to kind of use your discretion as the topic's going to be a little more mature as we go. Well, Hollis, as you see this issue a lot in your practice, uh, you both are counselors there at LifeBridge mm-hmm. uh, Counseling Center there. And um, Maybe share with us maybe some things that you are seeing, some themes as couples come in dealing with this issue, singles and married couples, and uh, maybe a little bit, has any of that changed during this COVID time, and, and what things are you seeing escalating and, and uh, there? So thanks again for joining us. Thanks for jumping in and ha- helping me on this topic. I'm so grateful not to be alone we'll on this one. hand and we'll walk you walk through, me through it. it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, first of all, the reason that we even decided to become sex therapists is because through the course of time... Um, no offense, the church hasn't done a great job right. of communicating to Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is n- amazing the number of people that we have come in for sex therapy when we give them the, an assessment <clears throat> Excuse me, that talks about kind of their experiences, or not really experiences, but their mindsets as they grew up, what they were exposed to. And almost to a one, anybody who comes in as a Christian, sex was dirty, good girls don't. They were all negative messages. And I thought, that's so sad when it's such a precious gift that God has given us in the context of marriage. I think that's such a powerful thing. And I'm hoping a little bit, one of my goals for our time today is because the church has put shame on this Mm -hmm. or we've isolated, Mm -hmm. I always go to like, where are people finding out content and information and truth on that. So I'm right. hoping today to be able to do that. So yeah, yeah and, thanks and for that, being willing. And, oh yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that, you know, as we see that we want to try to correct some of those, those mm-hmm. false messages. And I think one of the biggest things we have to recognize, this is a prime area of spiritual attack, mm-hmm. that the enemy has taken something yes. that God created for incredible good, incredible bonding between a man and a woman. Uh, and he's, and, and the enemy has taken it. To, co- to completely pervert it, we see that no more than uh, mostly in pornography use, where people go, oh, this is okay. We can invite that third, fourth, tenth, hundredth person into our bedroom. Mm-hmm. It does nothing but hurt a couple mm-hmm. in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but society makes it, oh, it's okay. This is natural. This is normal, right? And so that's one area that we've seen just grow so much more, especially in the COVID years, because so many people were locked down, locked in. And if they didn't have a good relationship in their marriage, they were seeking it elsewhere. Yeah, right? that's good. We'll come back and talk sure. a little bit about that one. That's mm-hmm. great. What are maybe a couple other things that you've been seeing a little bit more regular in your practice? Well, as far as the women go, if they've been raised in the church or with a faith system, they're often told good girls don't want it, good girls will not enjoy it, good girls stay pure and everything, and that the good boy will know everything about your body as a female, which they don't, okay? They do not. And then yet, so a good girl doesn't want sex, but the moment she gets married, she is supposed to be a good wife who does want sex. And there's a huge vacuum and void there. And where do they learn it? Most moms who should or could teach it don't. They're very embarrassed. Um, Most girlfriends 
lie and they don't know anything any better either. And I really do believe that they need to learn themselves their value first and foremost. And I, I really do believe if, if men and women understand their value, the women will know that they are worth waiting for and the men will know as they strive for that integrity that they, they won't settle for anything less either. Yeah, and really that would good. protect a lot of families just mm -hmm. in general. Yeah, and isn't it, I think the challenge when it really comes to our sexuality, even sex in a context of marriage, we bring so much baggage into mm -hmm. the bedroom just from our past, emotional, physical, missed messages, mm -hmm. that it's no wonder we struggle in this way. And it's no mm -hmm. wonder, because we don't talk about it, and yet we're both struggling to figure out what it is and how do we, mm -hmm. we, we don't even know where to begin. And uh, so those conversations, like you say, I think are some of the hardest conversations mm -hmm. to have mm -hmm. in a marriage relationship, because there's a mm -hmm. vulnerability there that comes with that. How about maybe one more thing, Wally, that you kind of have been seeing in terms of folks coming in? Just the disconnect that it can bring. Again, a gift that is supposed to be a wonderful thing for a couple. They find it difficult to talk about. One of our first questions is always, how comfortable are you talking about this as a married couple? Mm -hmm. And I would say nine times out of 10, 95 out of 100, mm -hmm. that the answer is not really. Yeah. Well, how can you share your desires, your expectations, unmet expectations yep. goes in hand in hand with that because we build up this idea of what it's supposed to look like and be and what if it's not? Especially if we've been exposed to uh, pornography movies. I mean, gosh, all you have to do is go down virtually any cable channel or series, right? Yeah. There's illustrations of what it's supposed to be, and they're so often false in terms of reality, yeah. right? But we have these expectations, oops, sorry, we have these expectations that are unmet, and that then creates dissension, and yeah. we don't talk about it, and it gets worse, those types of things. So there's more and more of that. So it all starts the time. there, right? Unexpressed yeah. expectations lead to unmet expectations. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, how, let's maybe start there. How have you helped uh, couples even get to that point of being able to talk about this uh, in a non threatening way? What have been some things that you have found that's been helpful? From my perspective, and, and I'll speak more specifically as I've worked with the guys, is get comfortable with your sexuality. You know, you're not a sexual giant. You don't know it all, you know, <laughs> but you are a man. And so be comfortable with what it means to be a mad mm -hmm. man. Understand that you have, you, God built you with a visual attraction toward women. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's not a sin. I love the verse where it says about Jesus that, you know, he was tempted in all ways as a man, but did not sin. That's that line to say, I can see a pretty woman, right? But I'm not going to cross that line and let that manufacture then into lust and action that goes beyond it. But don't be ashamed that you can look at a woman and find her beautiful. Mm -hmm. You have to have your healthy boundaries, right? And so when I have found that when guys get there, when they go, okay, I can be comfortable with who I am as a man, and I don't have to be ashamed of my sexuality, that they then can approach their relationship with their wife from a much healthier perspective. Yeah. So that's just one, yeah. one area. How about you, Beth? What have you found that have just been ways to maybe help even begin to have that conversation? Well, I think a lot of women need to see their husbands actually are more than just a sex drive. <laughs> um, I think they believe that all he ever wants to do, if he even touches me on the shoulder or something, all of a sudden he wants it. And women want the connection through verbal um, verbalization, and yet they shut down talking often. And then they start in this pattern in their marriages of thinking, well, if I say this, it's going to hurt his feelings, or if I do that, I'm his mother. Maybe he said, don't be my mother, you're just like my mother. And the emasculation starts and the, the detaching starts. She doesn't get her needs met through just a connection. And she, I see women sabotaging a lot 
they may not believe their husband when they say you're beautiful or I love you. They are thinking to themselves because they tell me this, they just want sex and I'm tired at the end of the day or I, I should be more than that. And so I think there's some sabotage that couples can do together, but I also think that we have been fed this idea that that's all a man is, is provider of the, of the paycheck and the sex drive. And women have a sex drive too. We just don't often think we're allowed to act on it. We're supposed to be those good girls again. Yeah, so we end up in these really unhealthy cycles. Yeah, very much so. So, Wally, what would you say, I'm trying to be really practical here, mm-hmm. what's the what's the one question? So my wife and I are out on a date night, right? And we, we just have some time to kind of talk. What's a safe and easy maybe even question that opens up this area to say, I love you. You know, we're in church, we're talking about the series is there anything in our relationship, what's a safe way to go about that? That's a good question, Brian. We need to sit down on the couch and talk about this a little bit. Um, no, I think it's exactly that. It's what you almost stated it right there, is how can we talk about this safely? You know, it's an idea of creating. We deal a lot with what I would call creating emotional safety. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a subject where it often doesn't exist. And so if we can use questions like that, you know, sweetheart, I love you. You know, I I want our relationship to be the best it can. As Christians, we want to be honoring in everything that we do. But I do want there to be an openness of discussion that we can have. I would say if you make it about self, is there anything that I can do Mm -hmm. that is going to make you feel safer? Is there anything that I need to stop? That also is going to make you feel safe, you know, stuff that is going to open the door to the way the two of us communicate. Because anytime we make it about you do this, you, do, you know, you don't do this, you know, all the you statements, mm-hmm. that's always going to put up a barrier, right? Mm-hmm. But if we make it about I, we use an illustration in, in our counseling that once upon a time when, when Beth, and if people know Beth, they know she's direct and straightforward and stuff like that, that we were having a <coughs> discussion and, <laughs> and she was going along her very direct way. My tone was getting sharp and authoritative. And so I said, honey, I could hear you better if you would soften your tone, right? And so I wasn't saying, soften your freaking tone, would you? I was saying, I could hear you better. Well, she wanted to be heard. It was brilliant. So I... It was brilliant. So so (laughs) when we make it about the I statements, and that's about being narcissistic and selfish and all that... It's just saying, I'm going to bear responsibility for what I can do mm-hmm. rather than telling you what you have to do. Yeah. Open the door. I think mm-hmm. that's such a great word. And I think for men, because our, our, our wives are trying to connect emotionally, which leads mm-hmm. to that physical connection, it, it's even our willingness to the vulnerability to the question. I think right. we'd be surprised what that would open up in terms of just intimacy. Mm-hmm. I want to serve you better. I, we want to, I want this to be all we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that I can do to be helpful? It's an empowering mm-hmm. and kind of there. Yeah. If well, I could just re- yeah. that point on the service, that I th- thank you for saying that because if we can create a mindset of being a servant lover, mm-hmm. we think of sex so often as take, 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 take. But if we can focus on I want to meet my spouse's needs mm-hmm. in humility, in service, oh, relationship's going to be so much better. And when it's mutual, as it basically says, you know, Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another, then nobody's left out. Not one person's doing all of the work in the bedroom. You're both enjoying it. So I think that that's, I think women, if they just really knew how much at the heart of a man that the man wants to please them 
and how much they want to be seen as a man of valor and goodness, that they really do want their wives to see them as that guy, I think wives might have a whole different view of their husbands, which yeah. I think would help. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're exactly right. We talked about that a little bit in a service on Sunday. You know, it's that 1 Corinthians 7, you know, mm-hmm. that a husband should give to his wife and a wife should give herself to her husband, right? It's this mm-hmm. mutual thing. We talked about earlier, I think one of the things that has really distorted and perverted this wonderful gift of, of our sex and our sexuality uh, has been the issue of porn. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'd mentioned uh, that you continue to see those rise. That certainly would be my experience that I think uh, COVID just continued to bring to, to the light this issue has been. Mm-hmm. As a therapist, what are some of the dangers? And we tend to think porn is, is a secret sin we do ourselves and it doesn't bother anybody else. But what are you seeing of some of the impact that has in, in marriage? This sort of implied a, a little bit of it earlier, the comparison. You know, these are airbrushed, uh, you know, models, whether men or women, to be perfect. You know, it's the ultimate fantasy type thing. Can we as the normal everyday people, you know, uh, measure up to that? Of course not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet we start believing, well, we should. Right. Yes. And then there's there's the aspect of even what does the timing of sex look like, right? Sometimes you see those movies and, and forgive me for being a little graphic, that they're just having sex, they're, you know, pumping away and doing stuff and going on for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and you're thinking that's the way it's gotta be. Well, scientifically, the average is guys go from, you know, ready to done in four minutes or less. Right? And some for, for and some guys. That could be long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the four minutes might be long yeah. for some, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and you can. So it creates this, this false expectation. Yeah. I always oh, say absolutely. the challenge of porn yeah. is it. Is it redefines what beauty looks like? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so we mm-hmm. have this unrealistic picture, and we can't figure out why our wives are insecure. Why would mm-hmm. I? Why would I want to engage in this intimate thing, and expose myself, when I know I'm not matching up to what I perceive mm-hmm. that you're thinking about? Mm-hmm. And I think my encouragement maybe would be to wives to be reminded that. Uh, a man doesn't need the perfection of the body to enjoy time mm-hmm. together. It's right? mm-hmm. kind of how God has wired us. And so this idea that if I looked 10 times better, our sex life would be fantastic and we'd be so connected. I just say, if that was the truth, we'd never have divorces in Hollywood. Amen. Amen. Right? Because That's right. it's this missed thing that the beauty creates the connection. Right. And so I do say for our men, if you're not careful, though, you are redefining beauty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's a danger that way. And then I think, as you mentioned, it was just the, the expectation, right? It's no wonder we're struggling in the bedroom. If I watch TV and think we, we're going to roll from 10 o'clock at night to 6 in the morning till room service comes in, mm-hmm. right. and then I'm the opposite world, and I'm living like, okay. I, I feel, in, as a man, you feel inferior, right? Yes. As a woman, you have this disappointment that we weren't laying together in the silk blankets, <laughs> sharing breakfast and all of these things, and you're like, this is nothing like that. And mm-hmm. so we've created this false narrative that there's no way to live up to. And so what should be this connecting thing becomes an act that's just defeating, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just discouraged and I feel inadequate Mm -hmm. visually, performance-wise. The discontent. discontent. There should be more. This isn't the fantasy I had. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And would you say that's also the danger, even in context of married couples, when they're using porn even to begin to get their own relationship going Mm -hmm. or add some spice. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, we're bringing in that outside stimulus Mm -hmm. that just continues to break away at the very fabric. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, a, 
concept <laughs> that would, that we teach is that sex in marriage is to be one is to be three things: loving, healthy, and mutual. Right now, some people could say, "Hey, if we're both agreeing that watching this porn is is okay for us as a married couple to get going," you could say, "Well, it is mutual," but they're violating the principle that the marriage bed is to be sacred. Right? It's just to be to be. You're inviting a third person in. I would hope that none of those couples would ever invite in a third, and yet, sadly, we see that happening way more than you would believe, even in Christian marriages, that yep. third partner, but even in the pornography sense. Yep. When, you're, when you're watching it even together, you're inviting a third person, and all those other things, the comparison mm -hmm. and so forth that we talk yep. about. Mm -hmm. And isn't that the danger of, uh, of all of our sections? It's progressive, right? Mm -hmm. So pornography, it's just progressive. Mm -hmm. And so what, at one point created these neurons clicking in my head, now takes a little bit more, just mm -hmm. takes a little bit more, mm -hmm. takes a little bit more. And then again, in the context of marriage and being married 30, 40, 50 years, mm -hmm. you're creating these bad, right. bad systems. Even so. scientifically, there's something in that and the fact that, you know, God wonderfully created us with, with pleasure systems from the, we, we think of the dopamine, right? right? And so he created it sexually one-on-one. -on -one. That's what we can handle and enjoy. When we look at porn, especially sometimes if you're just looking at something on the computer, 100 clicks might be 100 different images. Your brain is saying, I'm having sex with 100 right. different people. Right. And, 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 and so it, the, the brain's working overtime for that dopamine. Boom, 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 boom. That's what you're talking about. Then it craves more because yeah. it's not being satisfied, mm -hmm. and we're hurting ourselves in doing that, yeah. just That's even biologically. Good, yeah. yeah. The great word is there's hope, Amen. right? Yes. And there is, there's freedom in this, mm -hmm. but it, it takes, it's going to take some work. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I just encourage, even if you're listening to us today and you're saying, that's a little bit of my story, mm -hmm. right? I've got, I've created these habits and patterns. Uh, why bother to change now? Mm -hmm. Boy, in the same way that your mind gets retooled one way and rewired, you can unwire it the other way mm -hmm. through the grace of God, mm -hmm. forgiveness, and some really discipline and new patterns. And so I just say to our couples, that's the beauty. Of, so appreciate your ministry to couples. That's the power of this. There are mm -hmm. some things we you can't always solve this on your own. You're going to need some outside help. If you could fix it on your own, you would have fixed it when you were 16, 18, and 22, right? And we're carrying it in. So just the encouragement of you know, there's no shame here. There's no scarlet letters. Uh -uh. I, as I kind of said Sunday, you know, we're broken people in need of God's redemptive love, especially in the area of our sexuality. So porn, yeah, so true. Um, Beth, share a little bit statistically, I mean, how this is evolving and growing younger ages. What are some things you're well, seeing Well, the average, there? at least what I've read and researched, the average age of porn onset these days in the United States is 10. And um, we actually have had clients in the past where they've had kindergartner kiddos that were acting out with their brothers or sisters and it was traced to a fifth grader with a phone in the little boys room at an elementary school. Um, so we have to realize that a lot of times boys and girls are subjected to this stuff that they are so not ready for at a very, very early age. And then we become adolescents, which I have a view of 16-year-olds or two-year-old brains with car keys. Um, because that's about where our brains are. They're huge sponges still. We're not done growing. We don't have our judgment seat in yet. And yet that's when most people start dating and wanting to go further. Um, something else that happens with porn and women, most of the women that I speak with are very affected. They take it personally that if, gee, if I was good enough, skinny enough, had big enough breasts, 
wanted him more, did better in the bedroom, he wouldn't use porn. And I have to tell him, tell that to the 10-year-old that's sitting there because that's where he started it, maybe 14. And he's got a habit which might be addictive. The other thing that um, I don't think a lot of people realize is porn creates sexual dysfunction. Where once upon a time we might expect a 40 or 50-year-old man, about 70 to 80 percent of them will have some dysfunction sexually in their lifespan. It's normal. It's expected. There's help for that. What we are now seeing, I think Wally had a client as young as 17 who could no longer perform because sex, when it is, and, and one, one author calls it narcissistic sex because you're having it just with yourself, a man is training his penis for a hand, and that is not a woman, and then he's not going to be able to perform. And you want to talk about bringing shame into the bedroom? Holy moly. Now we've got a woman that doesn't think she's good enough. We have a man that cannot perform. And now we've got two silent married partners with a huge literal elephant in the room that needs help. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great word and good reminder where reality is in so many mm-hmm. ways. And it's growing too. You know, this idea of porn is not simply a male thing. Uh-uh. Uh, the number of women no. that are finding security release right. control right. is a growing thing. So right. Pretty significant. Well, I talk a little bit about, um, so we've got that. That's a factor. Mm -hmm. But they're just also factors of seasons of life, hormonal changes. I I think one of the challenges is that we forget that it's always in seasons, right? And so our sex drive changes during different seasons of life. There's those. What are just some of the contributors? If I'm in in a married relationship right now and I'm just feeling like my husband, who used to be so excited is now seems slightly disinterested what's wrong with me or my wife it was great and now we've just had these kids and there's nothing so uh, help us maybe just get a little understanding what are some of the factors that are leading to that that are outside of just our our own selves Mm -hmm. i think that the thing that's interesting when people talk about sex therapy they they automatically and i Believe it or not, I actually just finally saw the movie, but Meet the Fockers that has the, where, you know, they're sex therapists and they're just, you know, Dustin Hoffman and Weird Barbara Streisand just yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And it's like, that's not what it is, guys. Because about 80% of the time in sex therapy, we don't talk about sex. We talk about the relationship. We talk about the connection. We talk about, as I indicated earlier, the emotional safety. And that comes up really in the seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're 50, 60, 70, 80, I mean, it's going to vary, but you're not going to have the same virility that you do when you're, you know, a teen or 20-year-old, mm-hmm. right? When, when people talk, oh, well, guys, just they think about it all the time. Well, when you're like 18 to 20, yeah, you kind of are, right? But when you get later on in life, you're really not. It doesn't make it any less important. So it's the question, what's it going to look like? Again, maybe those unspoken, unmet expectations. If we nurture, and and in our therapy, we try to do this with people, let's nurture the connection, Mm -hmm. the emotional, the spiritual, as well as the physical connection, so that we understand we are not the same people. We change. Can we flex with that change Mm -hmm. in order to say, this is a different version of me. It's not a worse version. Hopefully, it's a better version because I've matured and grown. Right? And so I think it's that. Are we flexible? We always ask clients, are you changeable? Are you teachable? Are you flexible? (laughs) Man, when you get older, and that's one thing that's kind of cool about being a sex therapist at 65, is that I can talk to all these young people who think they know it all and go, okay, I got a a few things here to tell you. (laughs) I've lived a few years. You haven't. Let me me give you the truth on this. And uh, fortunately, (laughs) most of the people are willing to listen 
but we got to realize there are those different changes, and it's mostly about the openness and the communication uh, in terms of what's going on, uh, even in bed, so that you have an idea of this isn't me rejecting you, this isn't you rejecting me, this isn't, you know, like that whole thing about erectile dysfunction or something, if a guy is unable to perform, quote unquote, doesn't mean that there can't be a dynamic, loving relationship in mm -hmm. bed. Right? They yeah. can still be very physical, very intimate, right. and it doesn't have to be that. Forgive the phrase, but we refer to it often as it's not about the coming, it's about the being. Mm -hmm. When we are together and, and sharing in and celebrating that intimacy, that's ageless. Yeah, right? That's so good. So, yeah. so we have that relational dynamic that's just going to take mm -hmm. some conversation. But there are also just physical changes, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just encourage you, if you're listening today and you're like, I'm really struggling to feel any sense of a sex drive or interest, mm -hmm. especially for women, right? Mm -hmm. All these hormones. I, I would see a physician to mm -hmm. really say, you may just have some hormone levels that are out of whack and that you just need some help getting stabilized in this season. So all the, there are some external things or the same with men, you right? You know, mm -hmm. seek some help on that. There are some physical things. There's just pressure, stresses mm -hmm. at jobs that go through different things, mm -hmm. but communication, right? In the absence of that communication, we tend to fill the void with our insecurity. Right. Right. It's me. If I was this, they would be that. In right. reality, you may have a spouse who so desires that mm -hmm. there just are some physical things going on. And so mm -hmm. I would just see somebody sooner than later, mm -hmm. right? These things don't go away. They tend not to just get better over time. Right. Right. We really got to be honest enough to just talk and share. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, I just would say to you, men, you will be amazed. I think the intimacy you build in that relationship with the honesty. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That helps so much. Mm -hmm. Talk to us. A lot of good stuff to think about. Um, tell me a little bit, Beth, as you kind of see... Um, for men and women, the, the difference on the visual part uh, and for women kind of the emotionally, like what starts that attractionary moments? You know, how are men and women different than there? Uh, share a little bit about how you see that. Well, that's a huge topic. Um, the, the women that I talk to, I find it very sad on one hand. And for the men listening that have daughters, I think this is really important to recognize the average age the last time any of my clients, regardless if they're early 20-year-olds or 60-year-olds, felt completely loved and accepted just for their being is six. Hmm. That's the last time they can remember feeling loved. Now, a lot of things can happen in the middle of that. After that, they usually start performing. Then they get the good grades. If they dress nice, if they're a good girl, if they're a pretty girl, if they have their manners, they get accolades or rewarded for that, so they start doing this performance. They also learn in adolescence if they dress a certain way, maybe provocatively. Um, I'm even seeing it, I call them prostitutes. They're the two-year-olds, you know, that have lipstick on. Um, but their their parents are thinking, or, or themselves, if I I, if I want the attention to validate myself again, right. to think that I'm worthy, I have to show cleavage or, you know, really short skirts or dress provocatively. But then again, once we're married, that goes away. It's, it's kind of this one and done. We heard this once in a um, premarital class we taught in Denver. And this woman said, I don't want to be the one and done, W-O-N. He won me. Now he's done taking care of himself. You know, now he's going to 
belch and itch things weirdly and do stuff in public I don't like. And he stood up that her fiance said, well, same here. I don't want you to look like a bag lady in 10 weeks either. And I think we do forget to keep trying. And I think when we start getting in that marital drift of we don't care, we're telling our spouse they don't matter. They're no longer the first for us. And let's, I, I wanted to also mention trauma. There's an awful lot of men and women as boys and girls when they were children that were sexually abused. And they've got to do the work. I implore them to do the work before they get married because it will show up in the bedroom. It yeah. absolutely will. When and we, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just say when we think of the intimacy level on a very basic level, men and women are different. Oh, go figure. Now society is trying to legislate that out of existence, but women are women, men are men, yeah. right? How do we respond to intimacy? Men in general, they want physical, they want sex. Mm -hmm. What do women want? We want to talk they first. Want to talk. We want to know we're validated. We want to know we have your full attention and that we've talked about something meaningful, mm -hmm. not just you know, the latest score um, of UK or oh, come on. That can be the really latest draft charged. pick. Come on. Well, maybe for you, honey. <laughs> but or, is it different? Is it, so for men, that intimacy is sex, and for yeah. women, intimacy is closeness, yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. right? And so for men, we, when we have sex, we feel connected with afterwards. That's yes. the power of it. Ladies yes. need to understand it's not yes. just the physical part. It's mm -hmm. that I emotionally feel connected to you in a powerful way. Right. For women, the opposite, right? We have this emotional connection, which leads to the desire of sex. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the secondary part. So I mm -hmm. think it's understanding each other. And you know, too, these are generalizations, right? Mm -hmm. Right. There are so many times we tend to want to categorize men and women. And we may be in a relationship where the wife has a much stronger sex drive mm -hmm. than the man. And she's feeling, well, what's wrong with me? Everybody says it's the man. Right. So these are general statistical averages yeah. and each couple is uniquely different. And sometimes those roles are changed mm -hmm. in how we do that. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. And we need to just acknowledge. In fact, mm -hmm. that part is part of the answer mm -hmm. to be OK mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm not fitting the role. I'm, you know, I'm the guy I'm supposed to be sexually charged, initiating all the time. And I'm not. What's wrong with me? It may be nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've obviously more issues than that to look mm -hmm. at. But. You know, yeah. not to be There's so, so much pressure, isn't there, on, oh, on yeah. sex? Uh, this preconceived notion, this mm -hmm. is who we must be, this is the roles we play, mm -hmm. this is what... It, and if I don't have any of these, then something is wrong mm -hmm. with me, and there just mm -hmm. needs to be a little bit of a, a freedom yeah. mm -hmm. to Absolutely. just be okay. What a great concept. Yeah. And um, <laughs> because it, isn't it so true? Sex is... It's this learning process. I always say Absolutely. to our young people, y'all think you're having fun. It gets better with time. It yes, really it does. does. And in reality, it's the one thing I know there's this pressure of I just want to make sure I'm good at sex before I find the one because what happens if I'm terrible at sex? Right. How would they know if they didn't compare? Yeah. And you also want to say, I think it's the one thing you're really okay if, yeah. you're, if your spouse is not great at it, yeah. right? This is the yeah. fun where it's at. So yeah. I think we go back to, I think it's the challenge of this series as we even talk. There's, there is God's perfect design for mm -hmm. this, which is the ideal. So I say to all of our folks who are in that position to have still have remained pure, mm -hmm. man, Fight for this yes. because you don't understand how that protects you in such a powerful way. Mm -hmm. The beauty I, I say often is if, uh, you know, if you have two that come into the, the marriage relationship that have been pure, the great part is if all you've eaten is chocolate cake, 
You love chocolate cake. It may not even be great chocolate cake, but it's the only cake you know. <laughs> the challenge is, is when you have this buffet and it's like, well, it's a little pecan, a little bit of this. It's, it's the struggle of where we are. Yeah. We do realize, though, for a vast majority of people, it's been more than just chocolate cake mm-hmm. as they had. Mm-hmm. But the more they can continue to focus in on one another and give that freedom and dismiss these other things mm-hmm. and do the emotional and mental work of, it's in the mind so much, right? There are these images, there's these memories that come. Right. And I either can dwell on them or I can give them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Say, I've, I've asked for forgiveness. Right. It's past life. God, continue to cleanse me. You know, the renewing of mm-hmm. the mind mm-hmm. really helps on that. And so like you say, it, there, there's so much work to be done. And there's so much past hurt. You know, my heart always goes out to those that have experienced trauma, mm-hmm. especially at a young age. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so hear us as we say this, the compassionate sense of, in my, I don't understand, and mm-hmm. I don't know what that means to you, but I just know that your heart breaks for that. And the mm-hmm. encouragement, just as you mm-hmm. said, Beth, it's just find some help. This is a heavy burden mm-hmm. to, to carry alone, and it tends to... It will flesh itself out in the marriage context if we don't. Mm-hmm. If I can add something that, that ties in with what you just said, and, and again, I want to say you did a great job on, on Sunday and, and so many of these points. In this one, you sort of touched on a little bit there, and that is that um, uh, we, as Beth mentioned, we used to teach seminars, especially when we lived in Denver, and it's nothing like having a class of like 140, 150, un, you know, people who are not married. Mm-hmm. This is a premarital class. We're talking about sex and romance and affection and all that stuff. With the full knowledge, I never would ask anybody to put their hands up, but the vast majority of them are engaged in, in sexual behavior. And we will utter a challenge to them to say, how much are you willing to not have sex anymore. And we'll always say, we're not here as the morality please. We are here to say what we believe God's best is. But sex is, is sort of the great, not great Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. Especially, and this is more directed to the unmarried, but it could be to the married too. Sex often presents us, uh, prevents us from dealing with subjects we need to deal with in the relationship. Mm-hmm. We're about to have a fight. Oh, I don't want to have a fight. Hey, you want to go have sex? Well, yeah. And then you forget about the problem for the time being, right. but it pops up again, right? Yep. And so, you know, we really encourage people that uh, that are not married, don't have sex. But this isn't because we're spoil sports trying to take away your fun. It's because we want you to have the best relationship possible. And sex is going to keep many of those things from being dealt with. And then on top of that, there's also, you know, the challenge. I think you uttered something similar to this on on Sunday was, how much are you willing to trust the Lord? Right? He yeah. does have your best in mind. We're not saying it's not hard. We're not saying it's not a challenge. Yeah. It's, it is it is the, with the way that he made us. Yeah. But we can exert that self-control. After all, it is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Yeah. That's such a great word. And I think ultimately you said that so well. If you... If you're in a relationship, a dating relationship, or uh, listen, we want to live together to make sure we're compatible and, and we don't know these things. I, I think, as you said, it's the way God has designed us. I referred to it Sunday. You know, there's the beer goggles and there are the sex right. goggles. <laughs> and you can't objectively judge compatibility with somebody you're sleeping with because God has designed it. Right. To lose objectivity in a beautiful mm-hmm. way in the context exactly. of marriage. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it is that challenge. If you find yourself in that context and you think this may be the one and you really want to know, man, my challenge is it, see if, abstain from that from 
three months. Mm -hmm. Right. Get clarity. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in that clarity, you'll know. And I think you'll know then, does my partner want me for me Mm -hmm. or what I can give to them? Mm -hmm. Or you said it so well, if we're not careful, we create these patterns. Mm -hmm. So when we're in tension, we don't want to talk about it. Let's just go have sex. Everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or we're bored. We don't even know what to do. So away we go. And we're creating these relational patterns that are going to lead into marriage. Mm -hmm. And we've not addressed some of the issues that you really had. Or you're like, boy, I didn't see that. Well, you didn't see that because God created the wonderful thing of sex Mm -hmm. to really smooth over some of the (laughs) the rough spots. And so, yeah, I think that's such a a great thought. Today, really in our time, was you know part of that desire was for us to be able to really share just what is some reality to that, and the and the power of of our sexual relationships. But I'm also reminded of of the amazing mystery. Sometimes I I'm looking forward to heaven. I have many questions for God, <laughs> uh, but this will be one of them. Of of God, help me to understand. It's why the scripture speaks so often of this idea of mutual submission to one mm-hmm. another. But I just want to go back just to clarify and maybe bring some normalcy to what couples are experiencing while what you shared. Mm -hmm. It's the reality of even in our sexual pleasure that the timing biologically is different Mm -hmm. for the man and the woman. Mm -hmm. Where she reaches that moment tends to be three or four times longer than it takes for the male. Mm -hmm. And you want to say, Lord, why, why is that? But isn't it true? What it is, is it's teaching us this idea of selflessness. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of, uh, for some, they are the most selfish lovers mm-hmm. because it's about just my needs. And when my needs are done, we're done. And God, in his wisdom, I think it's crazy. It'd been a whole lot easier if we could have just, you know, biologically make all these things match up timing wise. But said, no, I'm, I'm going to give you the most sacred and precious and wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to make you work at thinking about the other mm-hmm. more than yourself in order to experience mutual mm-hmm. satisfaction on this. While any tips that you would give or suggestions or just ways for couples to, to maybe grapple even with that issue a little bit. I think what you're saying right there is a big part of it. If we can sort of get over ourselves and recognize we're married for a reason, right? And that is to be witnesses to one another's lives, to have somebody in our life who is going to get to know us, who's going to witness us. And therefore, we want to be unselfish. Selfishness is the biggest problem in marriage overall and uh, continues on into the sexual relationship. So if we can adopt that attitude of selflessness, and and I know a lot of people could probably laugh hearing all this and going, oh, come on, this is what sex is about. No, really, if I can have as my goal sexually to pleasure my wife, to see her come into her fullness as a woman, both just as a woman generally, as a sexual being as a woman, and that she is fulfilled in that, you know what, God's going to take care of me, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, let's face it, in that regard. But if I have the focus on this is about me, this is about me, this is about me getting pleasure, this is about me being fulfilled, this is about all this, gosh, the pressure that puts on the spouse. And I know that Beth could say all the same things from a woman's perspective Mm -hmm. if it's always about selfish taking, 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 and and not giving. The relationship can't help, just as it does in regular life, Yeah, right? Hence why you said, Ephesians Mm -hmm. 5.21, submitting to one another. Why? Mm -hmm. Out of reverence for the Lord. It is service. Beth, how... What suggestions or advice would you give to women who sometimes they hear this and it's like, 
I feel like sex is a chore mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, after doing all the chores, it's mm-hmm. just one more thing. Mm-hmm. And for them, the the joy of it has left a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, help us think about that a little bit. I have to say it consistently comes back to value. Um, so many women get their value from what other people think of them. And so they become these little worker bees, these little pleaser bees, and they they pour into everybody else. And we women are wonderful magnifiers. You give us a little, we'll take it and make it a lot. At the same time, if we don't value ourselves, first and foremost, as not just pleasure givers, but pleasure takers, I don't I just don't see a lot of women really thinking that they themselves are still sexual. Um, they were when they were dating because they thought they were going to lose the boy if they didn't do something. And then, well, I've got to fulfill it to my husband. And they denounce themselves constantly. And if they would understand that, well, if they're stressed, sex is a great releaser. If they like to work out, hey, ladies, it burns 200 calories um, (laughs) on your back. And um, it is a wonderful way to connect and release that dopamine. And I like it better than jogging because jogging is just way too much effort. But the piece there is, is for them to realize too, they will have during times of the month, during seasons of life, an ebb and a flow. There's going to be times when you just really want a lot of it. There may be times when you'd rather read a good book, maybe for months on end. And sometimes we do need to give our husbands permission just to enjoy us and not make it about us somehow performing. One other thing, too, that I think a lot of women denounce um, is the reward sex, where they are watching their husbands, they're judging his impact, they're, oh, did he do the laundry, did he help with the kids, did he help me a little bit, did he take out the trash, okay, I suppose he needs, and that becomes duty booty, and that's not fun at all. I'll reward him with this. And once again, they're denouncing their value as an integral part of a mutual relationship. And I think if they would just enjoy it as far as enjoy themselves, understanding we have pleasure points that have nothing to do with making babies. And we can enjoy it more if we understand we deserve it. And that's a piece that I don't think women even think about. Do they deserve sex with their husbands. I think they all think that, well, if he's earned it, I'll give it to him. And, you know, but again, HGTV, husband, what is it going to be? <laughs> yeah. One of the other Seriously. Things, one of the other things we really like to emphasize is that we want men to initiate romance. Yes. Right? A woman is really uh, built for it to be adored, to be uh, uh, loved. Uh, beloved you know, all those types of things to be appreciated and so forth. And and typically guys are pretty poor at that, you know, because they're just thinking, hey, it's about sex. No, if you can initiate romance towards your wives, find out what that means to her. It's not always just, you know, chocolates and, and flowers. It might be something else. And we actually encourage the women to be the initiators of the sexual behavior. First of all, in general, if a woman initiates sex, she's got about a 90% chance of success. 95, 98. Not, yeah, right. 99, yeah. If a man initiates sex, eh, 50-50, right? And that's not to demean women. Please, women, if you're hearing, don't, don't take that that way. It's the way we're wired, right? So that if a man is re- romancing, as Beth said, women multiply. Mm-hmm. That if a man romances mm-hmm. and makes her feel adored, a woman is going to want to respond 
in terms of that sexual initiation. It's a win-win. In fact, romance is so important, there's an entire book written about it. There's not a Bible book on money or how to raise your kids or how to deal with your in-laws. There's chapters in books about that, but there's an entire book about romance. And the more we've studied the Song of Songs, it shows the man was wooing always adoring, and then she invites him literally and figuratively into her home, into her body. And I think that women do need to initiate a little bit more. I, I promise you, men will be smiling a lot more if that happened. <laughs> it's that mutual thing, right? Yes, Back and forth absolutely. As, absolutely. As we go through that. Mm-hmm. Well, good stuff. Thanks for for sharing a little bit about that. We've opened it up for questions. And uh, again, if you go to lexcity.info, there's a place that you can submit questions over this topic. And we're going to continue with another podcast uh, related to relationships next week and encourage you to do that. But let me give you, we got a couple questions that came in while I've got you here. Some of these we're going to hit this week and some others that we will uh, talk about in the next week as we continue on this. One is just how do I, would you have just a, practical way, how do I get over sexual betrayal, right? So all that we've been talking about is just the vulnerability and intimacy of this. And now something that has been so, at a level even different than porn, because it's a, it, it has a deeper cut in different ways. Just very practically, how do I work through that, and how do I get to a point of even wanting to work through that? That's a tough one for, for a lot of people. And we do, as you could imagine, we get this a lot in our practice. That's the other side of things, a lot of affairs going on. Um, How do I get over the sense of betrayal? It is, oh gosh, how do I want to say this? It is understanding what it represents to me that my husband did that. It's understanding what my value is in the Lord. It could be the woman having the affair. Mm -hmm. I I shouldn't make it just a one way. It does happen both directions. Mm -hmm. So I'll take it from that perspective as a man, if I was in that, to say, what does this represent to me? What does this make me believe about myself? Um, Where am I at with the Lord? Can I see my partner as someone who is fallible? Inhuman. Am, am I building up a case against them that says that that hurt me so much there's no chance to come back from? Or is redemption there? First of all, do I want to treat my spouse any differently than the way God treated me? I'm deserving of hell based on, you know, my life of sin, mm-hmm. and God redeems me. Can I have a spirit of redemption toward my wife? Not like I'm any better than her if mm-hmm. she, you know, were the one having the affair, but to be able to say, am I willing to look at uh, you know, what the relationship is about. What about me? Do, do I see that person in a different light? They're a terrible, awful, no good, very bad person, or they messed up. You know, what's at play? And as we often do with those couples, we say, what was going on a year ago, two years ago? What started bringing right. the cracks to the foundation that you were even open right. for, for that type of affair? So to that person who's been betrayed, we would go to the partner if they're willing to make it work and say, what was going on that opened you up to vulnerability to somebody else? So those are just a few of the things we like. It's a huge topic. It's a big topic and and a really deep one. Mm -hmm. I think the the encouragement is there's hope for that. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We've got a church who are full of couples who have walked through Mm -hmm. that, which I think has got to be one of the darkest valleys you could walk Mm -hmm. through. But God has redeemed that. There hasn't. Mm-hmm. It's not without pain. It mm-hmm. is not without scars and consequences. Mm-hmm. And there had to be boundaries. There had to be trust built back right. over time. And all of that has happened. Uh, but we've seen stories of redemptive marriages restored. So my one is, is just don't, <clears throat> don't lose hope. Right. I know it feels like this is the end of everything. Right. Um, and uh, God can redeem that through some a lot of work. Again, Absolutely. that's where I would go, and even if the one spouse doesn't want to re- go to counseling and help, I, I oh, would yeah. go because you've got to 
there's some wounding internally that you've got to kind of you've got to get there. So, so don't get isolated along that one. Yeah. I will. I would just like to interject that nothing will get healed or redeemed without humility. That's good. That is like the the for both the offender and the betrayed, because it can take a place of pride that the betrayed feels elevated. They didn't sin so badly. And it can be a very deep place of shame for the betrayer. And it humility, I love this. I think it was C.S. Lewis has said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking about yourself less. Yeah. And when two hearts are softened, the Lord can do anything. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great word. Well, we mentioned a little bit about, I think today, one of my takeaways from our time together has been, again, unexpressed expectations lead to unmet expectations. And having the probably the most difficult and awkward conversation about the topic of sex with your spouse is so valuable because it gives permission to share. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't grow up knowing about this. Mm -hmm. You got the biology figured out, but you don't have the emotional connection and you don't know... Every couple's different. Every spouse is different on what brings pleasure and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. You can assume something. And in reality, it's not an enjoyable experience. Right. If you're thinking they'll figure it out, ladies, I'll just tell you this as a man. If you think we're going to figure it out on our own, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> so communicate. Help us in that. We really desire to please you. And uh, a lot of times we're doing it out of ignorance or what we think that we know. Right. Uh, we're going to put in the, the link here uh, a little thing. You've created a little thing called the marital intimacy test. Mm -hmm. which was just a few questions, uh, not all even related with sex. It's just places to start the conversation. Mm -hmm. We're going to put a link into that uh, on this podcast, and that may be a fun thing for you to download and at least start the conversation as we go. Well, thanks today for joining us, I, I think, on a, an important topic. Um, you know, we just want to say, I just want to say as your pastor, I, I love you enough and I want God's best for you that uh, we're willing to have these conversations that make me really red and really sweat <laughs> and uh, are uncomfortable. But I'm just convinced this. If we let the world tell us what truth is, uh -huh. we're going to miss it. Mm -hmm. God designed sex, mm -hmm. and God said it was good. That's right. God created some parameters and boundaries in our life, not to steal our joy, but to protect your heart. And so today, just be reminded that your Father wants to protect your heart. Where there has been woundedness and brokenness, don't suffer in isolation. Right. Oh, yeah. Talk, be open, be vulnerable, trust. Intimacy is built out of that context. Mm -hmm. And the great part is uh, it's pretty awesome, and it's a great thing when it's done God's way, and uh, it's one of the wonderful things in life that gets better through yes. time and years together. So We're testaments to that. <laughs> there you go. So we're uh, old. Keep, keep we're fighting <laughs> for it, and uh, we're excited. So thanks again for joining us today on Off the Record. We'll look forward to connecting with you next time. Again, uh, Beth and Wally Hollis, and their, their counseling practice is LifeBridge, and if they can be a resource to you and help, they would love to be able to Absolutely. do that. Once again, we'll put a link for that at the bottom of our podcast. Okay. Thanks for having us. Thanks, You're Brian. welcome. Thanks for being here. We look forward to seeing you next time on Off the Record. For any links or notes from the podcast, I encourage you to visit lexcity.church backslash off the record.